rural fiber. Uh, all right, podcast. Yeah, I can't say that. Choo choo choo! Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> Dirty then. Uh, <laughs> settle down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat the pie. All right, everybody, let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to another non-canonical episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that only commits mass alien genocide when it's exhausted all other possible strategies, or is just really much more convenient than negotiating or using the force or whatever light side people do. You monster! Anyway, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me per usual is my rule-following, Yoda-loving, boring, story-creating, light side-devoted co-host and big brother, Jason Helms. How's it going? I, uh, I'm not one to be seduced by the dark side, Ben. Uh, so I'm not wow. sure if we should even do this interview, uh, if we should talk, but, uh, Hey, uh, tell me what we're talking about. How long did your co-tour take? Cause I did dark side. It was like eight hours. So yeah. 35. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, just kidding. Mine was 40 plus. Anyway, uh, today we're diving deep into the 2003 epic star Wars Knights of the old Republic or KOTOR as it is often referred to. Uh, and Jay, yeah, you said you put in 35 total. Yeah, 35. And that was light set. Um, I think I just ended up like exploring every single room. I know early on I was complaining about how long the game was taking. And yes. you're like, just stop doing things. Yeah. Just do the plot. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And I was just like running around twirling my lightsaber. Just r- find every side quest I could do. I couldn't get enough of it. Yo, did you know you control your lightsaber like in like a bunch of rooms? Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, we're going to keep the development short today because we talk a long time with Rich. Uh, I'm excited to have that conversation. It was a really fun time connecting with him over KOTOR. He's been telling me to play this game for like 10 years now. But uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to we're going to dive into development of the game, talk about gameplay with Rich, uh, talk, you know, have some share some drinks and music. Sorry. (laughs) And also share some music and drinks with him over what's the beer, what's the song, then talk about what else we've been playing and what we're playing next month. Uh, Yeah, let's do it. All right. So it all began. Late in 1999, when LucasArts approached BioWare, a, a small company at the time, a, a recently new company that had, had just come out with the surprise hit Baldur's Gate, this 100-hour RPG, D&D-style adventure game. Uh, and yeah, the gang at LucasArts gave the guys at BioWare this choice of two settings for their new Star Wars license. They said they could create a game centered around the events of Attack of the Clones, which was the new... Uh, you know, the film currently in production at LucasArts, right? This is right after episode one came out. Or the second option, they could create a game 4,000 years before the events of episode one. And lucky for us, they chose the latter. Yeah. Uh, and we're able to basically create this brand new world with unique characters, huge stakes, new arcs, and stories with epic proportions that could impact the entire galaxy. Not have to worry about this tiny little story and not worry about impacting Luke and Han or whatever. Uh, but also at the same time with these subtle yet really deep tie-ins to the stories and the universe of Star Wars that we've loved our whole lives. So really cool balance. Really glad they chose the 4,000 years before option and not the uh, Attack of the Clones option. Yeah, uh, seriously. So yeah, do you remember Baldur's Gate coming out? I do not at all. I remember it being the biggest thing ever and it was just about when I was finishing up high school, getting ready to go off for college. And oh, okay. so it okay. didn't. I ended up not playing it, but just hearing that it was amazing and then just never connected with it. But for fans of Bioware, Bioware uh, had a few games come out before Baldur's Gate, but Baldur's Gate is really where it starts. Uh, And then you've got Baldur's Gate 2, and then you've got uh, KOTOR 1 and 2. Uh, You've got Mass Effect and Dragon Age starting up around the same time. So they've done these long series uh, that are based on a really similar model. So if you like any of those other games, you'll like KOTOR. If you like KOTOR, you'll probably like any of those other games. That's cool. Uh, well, I know what I'm doing for the next 300 hours now. Cool. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. But yeah, it was released. It was three plus year, three and a half year uh, development. And it was released by Bioware July 2003. Uh, and Bioware, by the way, was founded in 95 by three uh, med students, or I guess recently graduated uh, medical doctors. Uh, Ray Muzika, Greg Zeschuk, and Augustine Yip alongside with a few non-medical people, which don't get credit here. Uh, then the goal by them, by their team uh, at BioWare, was to, to leave their mark on the Star Wars universe. They talk about wanting to create a cinematic experience that stands up to the films and the quality of the story, the characters, and the emotional arc for the player or the audience, which I think it definitely did on all three of those. Uh, it takes place uh, before the events of the films, way before, and it centers around what they were, what is referred to now as the Jedi Civil War, 
also known as the Second Sith War or the Old Republic Insurrection or the Malak War. And it's referred to by the Mand- Mandalorians as the War of the Starforge. The War of Northern Aggression. This world has so many different storylines and comics and games and movies and TV shows that it's referred to by five different things. It's such depth to the world. It's so good. Yes. And they were basically there was one comic before this that touched on this time. So they were able to do a lot with this era uh, and they definitely did. And they had a lot of freedom within creating that world. Uh, And I think, yeah, one of the most unique things to this game, you touched on a little bit, but was the combat system. Yeah. Uh, And the project director, Casey Hudson, said that it was one of the greatest achievements and greatest risks. I would would agree with both because it was definitely the hardest thing to kind of get a handle on when we first started playing this game. But uh, Hudson says, we wanted to create something that combined the strategic aspects of Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, but which was presented through a fast cinematic 3D action. Uh, And I think he accomplished that. It's definitely something that I'd never seen before. I don't think any game had ever had all of that before done so smoothly. Oh, yeah. Uh, But yeah, kind of more credits here before we get into the discussion with Rich is it used the Odyssey engine, which uh, was a custom engine based on the Aurora engine previously developed by BioWare for Neverwinter Nights. Uh, But yeah, completely rewritten for KOTOR. So a custom game engine just for them. Uh, But yeah, it it included uh, 300 different characters and 15,000 lines of speech. That was one thing I was blown away with this by this game was the dialogue. Really, really good voice acting for the most part. Uh, A lot of Huttese as well, which was acted really well, (laughs) surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, very believable Hutties. I actually fell down a rabbit hole reading about uh, the actors being coached in Hutties. So we're not going to cover that there, but yeah, there's there's stories online you can find about it. I love it. Uh, and yeah, had a, a cast of almost 100 voice actors, including, by the way, Ed Asner, mm. uh, Ethan Phillips, Jennifer Hale, and and Mad TV's own Phil Lamar. Nice. Phil so, Lamar. yeah, pretty awesome. He's everywhere. Uh, and yeah, award-winning composer Jeremy Sewell was hired to compose the score, which he did, of course, all in MIDI. Uh, yeah. which was like eight megabit per second MIDI programming, which was just like insane compared to what we have today, what I have like on my laptop here today. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought the score sounded great. Uh, and it basically all the stuff I read about the score was Jeremy complaining about the fact that he couldn't use an entire orchestra, but he was like sit- sitting using like his tiny little keyboard making all of the sounds, which I love. Wow. But yeah, it sounded great. Yeah, no, I thought it was beautiful. All right, I want to talk more about development. I want to get into that stuff, but we just can't. We talked for an hour with Rich. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you are hungry for that, go listen to the side quest we just did with Sapphire, uh, talking about ethics and video games, uh, a little bit more of that reflection stuff. And hopefully we'll be able to talk more about it uh, when we get to Coach War 2, because special announcement, we will tell you later in the podcast that we are going to do that for our February game, Ben. Is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into it. This is an interview with our special guest. We're gonna ask him about the gameplay and we'll handle the rest. Yeah. All right, Richard Nile, welcome to Monf. Welcome back to Monf. It's been a long time. It's uh, it's good to see you, friend. Yeah, it's great to be back. I am really excited about this, and I'm also really excited about hearing the history of this game. So thank you nice. for all the work you're doing. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was fun to dive into that too, actually. It's kind of a weird development compared to most LucasArts games. So that was, yeah. that was fun to dive into the history of that and learn about that. Uh, but yeah, so this, so we did uh, Fate of Atlantis about a year ago. I think it was last summer we did Fate of Atlantis with you. Mm-hmm. Another super long game. <laughs> uh, so thanks for just playing the really, really long games with us. It definitely helps us out. <laughs> uh, and we've actually, I think, Jay, you and I have even played these games and not finished them. Like 12-hour games. We're like, oh, we didn't have time this month, but we... One of us finished the game always, I think. Yeah, I think that has uh, happened but, one or, once or twice. Uh, yeah, this game was more than 35 hours, I think, for both of us. Uh, wow. It was over 40 for me. Nice. Uh, and we were all able to finish the game somehow. So yeah. when, the, when games are this good, we're, we're able to put the, the time and dedication into for sure. I can't wait to hear where those extra 10 hours came from. Uh, yeah. Good for you, man. What? I logged, I think, 27 hours. Does that mean we have nice. nearly 100 hours in one month between the oh three of us? Wow. That's amazing. All right, so Rich, you've been telling me about KOTOR ever since we met, like 10 years ago. You've yeah. Been, you're like, KOTOR, KOTOR. And KOTOR falls in that weird, like, no man's land. For I think for Jason and I, we had this, like, three or four-year period from, like, 2000 to 2003, 4-ish, somewhere in there, where we just didn't play a lot of video games for whatever reason. Yep. And we missed out on the whole PS2 generation and GameCube and kind of that time. Mine went all the way to about 2010. Yeah, big gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got a bunch of degrees and stuff like that. But anyway, eh. and this game stood out even in my like no man's land of games. Like I knew I'd heard of KOTOR, but I'd never played it. 
And we, when you and I first started bonding over Star Wars, you're like, oh, of course, KOTOR. Like, what you know, did you play light or dark? Like, what, what was your character like? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, what's uh... KOTOR stand for? <laughs> so I'm going to stop talking. Can you tell me about your experience with Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah. When you first started playing it, kind of what drew you to it and how you played it kind of that first time? So, yeah, it was the summer of 2003. And oh, nice. my good friend from high school, Matt J and I, I think he had it he bought it and then I bought it the next day and we literally had our two Xboxes set up in my parents' living room and he and I played for eight hours a day for probably two weeks yes. and he played dark side and I played light side. Yes. And, um, we didn't use the internet to figure things out. And I think it was like 50 or 60 hours for me to finish and probably 40 hours for him. Um, oh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think I've played through probably five times now. Wow, that's awesome! And it, yeah, it's it. This game and and the first Halo, Halo Combat Evolved, are they're, they're one and number one and number one. They're tied. Nice. Jeez. And do you do light side light side every time? Yeah, I I I try to go dark side, but inevitably I I find myself light side again. So yeah, how long had you gone when you played it this month? What was the last time you played it? Probably. Three years ago, they released it for iPad a couple years ago, and yes. it actually it's it works pretty well on the iPad. Um, there's one disappointing lack of uh, you can't twirl your lightsaber on the iPad. No, which is ninety percent of why I play the game. <laughs> What's the point? Wow, 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 uh, wow! By the by the way, I played the um, not just iPad but iPhone version. Uh, well, yeah, for the first hours. like five hours, right? Uh, maybe two hours. Uh, I don't think it was oh, quite okay. that. Uh, but I played for about two hours, um, got to, I think, below um, Taurus, the, that kind of like under undercity area, yeah. and just was like, I hate these controls. Um, like, it, it definitely functioned, but the whole swiping thing just threw me, and I got oh, my money back. just to and, move. Yeah, right? just to move around. Um, yeah. It was really awkward. And then I uh, downloaded it for Mac and played that way. Uh, so which which way did you play this time, Richard? I played on my Xbox. Um I think the iPad version back a couple years ago was pretty reasonable. Um, probably helps to have a slightly larger screen. Yeah. But and then I probably played this game. I think I probably took like a six or seven year hiatus, and then I bought an original Xbox just to be able to play this game. I don't right. know in like 2010 or something. Yeah. <laughs> and and then yeah, this most recent playthrough, which which yeah, it's fun every time. That's awesome. So Rich has played Light Side every time. Let's talk about that first, Jay. Why you played? I played Light Side. Why did you decide to do that? Okay, so I had to to reset, and one of the things I found out is that both you and I had set up as the like exact same character, <laughs> um, which was great. So no, so okay. I could find that out early, and I was restarting my game anyway uh, to switch over to Mac, and uh, so I I restarted and set her up as a uh, a soldier instead of I think you were a scout or a rogue or a scoundrel, and. Uh, yeah, as as I was doing that, it was fun to try and get a feel for her, uh, try and figure out the character that I was playing. And um, as I did, I just found myself going lighter and lighter. I think some games, the feeling of light side feels very goody two shoes. Yes, and I didn't feel like it was in this game. I felt like a lot of times it made sense, and the the natural response I wanted to give was the light side one. And the occasional times I would push against it, it would be like, you know, no, I think it's it's good to have an active role here, not a passive role. I want to actively do good rather than, you know, just kind of staying hands off. The thing about KOTOR for me is it it makes the movies better. Yeah. And it makes my, at least it makes my understanding of the force much deeper. And it kind of actualizes all of these theoretical things that I was like, what's passive? And it's all around us and it binds us. Like, what does that even mean? And watching, you know, watching Yoda say that as a five-year-old or whatever in Empire, I didn't really understand. I was like, oh, so like the light side's kind of the boring side, but like we're obviously we're rooting for Luke, so I want the boring side to win and whatever. I get that, whatever. And this made it much more, like you were saying, it made it much more real that the light side isn't just sitting back, but it's it's defending the defenseless and it's it's standing up for the little guy. Yeah. And it's not giving in to the easy thing to do. Yeah. Even though you're the most powerful thing around, the easiest thing to do would just be to destroy all these sand people and save these people, save your friends or whatever. But the right thing to do, I think most people would agree the right thing to do would be to talk it out and negotiate and be like, oh, okay, how can I make everyone? Oh, you want these moisture evaporators? I will go earn the money to buy these moisture evaporators and bring them to you. Like you're literally helping everyone in the situation. You're like taking down this war that was starting to happen between. 
Anchorhead. Uh, Anchorhead, yeah. And, you know, they're going to stop attacking them. And, I mean, it's just kind of... There's a lot of situations like that, especially in the first 12, 15 hours, that just kind of, like, made things click with me. That I was like, oh, like, the light side is so much deeper than I ever thought. And not like, hey, George wrote it to be deep. I don't think necessarily George had all of these thoughts when he first planned it. But the way that people are writing uh, the comics, these games, these movies that have just been coming out recently have taken it to a much deeper level than the original three movies, than than I had read into those original three movies, at least. Jay, what did you want to say? I I didn't think I'd seen anything that had done the grays of the dark and light side better until um, Last Jedi. Uh, which I thought, you know, was really interested in those grays in the light side, not necessarily being as light as we thought the dark side, not being as dark. And there being some, some mixing in between that I know a lot of fans reacted against. And I think that KOTOR does a really good job uh, and maybe even a better job in some ways in that it's a game. So you get to interact with it. You're not just presented with these ideas, but you feeling the gray from within and knowing like, Oh, okay. It's, it's not as cut and dry. Uh, We'll get to spoilers in a little bit, but um, the Jedi council is not necessarily, you know, on the up and up. There's some darkness there. There's some things that we could look at and say, really, was that all light side? Um, you know, it's it's interesting you that say that this game made me realize, or especially this last playthrough, is that the light side is just so much more work and so much yeah. more time consuming to be light side. But also in the end, I think your character, in part because the game rewards you, I think, with more experience for doing more good mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. you end up with a much stronger, much like deeper character development yeah. by going light side, I think, in the game. But it also, I was just contemplating the amount of dialogue <laughs> and yeah. decision-making that they, they wrote into the game and that you have available. You can always choose to be good or always choose to be bad. It doesn't matter where you've gone, where your character's yeah. gone. Yeah, that's that's true. You, you, yeah, no matter what, if you choose just dark side for the first 75% of the game, there's still going to be ways to be like, are you sure? Like, you can do the right thing here. Yeah. It's, it doesn't just like pigeonhole you to be like, all right, you're dark side. Now we're only killing people from now on. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. And I think the only one that doesn't make sense is the vice versa. Like, I'll do everything right the whole way, and then right at the end, be like, eh, "Think I'm dark side." Uh, but you Jay, know. you even you, we talked about on the uh, the video game virtues episode that came out last week, the the side quest. But get, can you give that example quickly again of how you accidentally earned dark side points, basically th- thinking you were doing the right thing? Yeah. So kind of uh, about a third of the way through the game, you get to Manon, and uh, you get this. Um, Somebody walks up to you before you even get there uh, and says, uh, hey, uh, I think you dropped this data pad and hands you a data pad. And it says, go see Hula's on Manon. Come alone or don't come at all. And I was like, oh, nice. This sounds cool. fun. So I, I go and find him and he won't talk to me at all. And I sit, then I send the rest of my party home. And then he's like, hey, you came alone. Good call. Uh, let's talk. And he works with the Republic. He has this secret, basically like Assassin's Creed uh, kind of organization where they go and murder people to protect the Republic and protect stability. And they've worked for the Jedi council and they've worked for all these people. And they, they are the real force behind stability in, uh, in the Republic. And he says, you just got to go cap some guys. So here is a slaver that you can go kill. And, uh, I was like, that sounds great. I'll go kill a slaver. Uh, I got no problem with that. Uh, I cap him, I come back, get my reward. I get a sweet pistol and I get a bunch of dark side points. I was like, wait, wait, (laughs) what? No, I'm, I'm trying to help people. for stability. This is good. I imagine how pe- how many people are not going to be slaves now. This is no what. So I I like that because maybe working with the secret conspiracy of assassins is not quite as light as I wanted it to be. <laughs> I think maybe they're right on that one. I definitely developed a rule. I think after the first playthrough, where anytime I get offered anything that I haven't sought out, I just decline it because yeah, it yes. either leads you to dark side points yeah. or it like leads your ship to be full of little creatures. Oh, <laughs> the Giska leads you to have the to Giska. go find some kid's nephew's brother somewhere. Yeah, I, it is funny though how many times I've had to reload a conversation after I've gone down thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to be light side. This is going to be great. I'm going to agree with this person and disagree with this person and then either you end up with dark side points or you end up with mixed both and yeah like, ben why don't you talk about how you kept getting dark side points early on because i loved watching you with this relating to conversations with a particular character yes so i will say that i did choose the dark side overall uh and i i about 75 percent into the game after the big reveal and, and all that i was just like i was still on the fence i was definitely like leaning a little more dark I was like, you know what? I know Rich and Jason are doing light side for the sake of the pod. Mm. I will do dark side, but I know in my heart, okay, that I would have done light side. But I was like, you know what? More seductive. <laughs> exactly. I was tempted, 
and uh, and I, I fell to the dark sides. But anyway, uh, it, it started early. Jay, you played the first five or six hours with me. Uh, we played together. Yeah. And you were coaching me through. I don't know if I would have been able to do this game if it wasn't for the pod yeah. because of the the comeback system, the, the fighting technique, the whole thing. And I think on Xbox, it was really cool. By the like yeah. three hours into it, I loved it. And by the end of the game, I felt like I'd mastered it. And I was just like pausing the game even when I didn't need to just to make yep. sure I knew every character was going to use the exact right weapon, the exact right way. Like, even though I could have just not pressed a button and my team would have defeated whoever was there. But, you know, just like being a control freak, I ended up loving it. But it just it's like 12 buttons, right, to fight yep. one person. So it's it's a lot going on. But, yeah, the first five hours or so, I basically just fought with Karth. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to get dark side with him. Karth is just an a-hole. He's condescending. And I played as a female character and... The whole time he's like, settle down, little lady. And like, oh, looks like you got your panties in the toilet. He didn't say that. But like, <laughs> just constantly being like, oh, looks like you don't know what you're talking about, young lady. I was just like, oh, F you. Cool. Don't yeah. need you. Basically went out of my way to insult him whenever possible. When you're on Dantooine and he's like, guys, I feel really left out. No one's telling me anything. I was like, well, you're being left out for a reason, Karth. Nobody likes you. <laughs> like whatever like the meanest, darkest choice is, other than like killing him, I would choose every time. Nice. Go munch some Bantha Poodoo. I did find out today, though, real quick, that if you're really nice to Karth the whole time, there's a love story there. Yeah. Did not know that. It's the equivalent and, of being a male character and falling in love with Bastila. Well, what I was going to say is I had a female character, and I definitely felt like there was something happening between my Karen and Bastila. Uh, like, there were just enough remnants of that story arc left over. Yeah. It made me think about, you know, later in, I think, Mass Effect 2, when they enabled that. That it was like, why couldn't that be one of the options here? Like, that w- that would have been a great right. option to have here. Because actually, story-wise, I have no interest in Karth. Sorry. Right. <laughs> like, I got no time for Bastila. Like, me and- you know, Star Wars isn't the most woke universe in the right. world. Okay? Right. It's not Star Trek. Right. Okay? But maybe for KOTOR uh, 3 or 4, you know. There you go. Can we talk really quickly about character side stories that are beloved? Ooh, because yeah. Candorous, I could listen to Candorous talk care. about the Mandalorian <laughs> Wars and like flying into planets on his yes. giant robot. Yes. I love, I loved that in 2003. And even this time, this playthrough, I made sure I heard all his stories because nice. they're so satisfying. Plus, man, you love Mandalorians. I do. It's just cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him and, and HK. I love having HK yeah. and having him call me a meatbag. That was so good. Oh, <laughs> HK's the best. Well, oh, okay, let's do some big picture stuff, cool. and then we can get into spoilers and really sure. just crack it open. And in fact, right now, let's just say from this point on, we are going to lay out what happens in the game uh, and kind of stop along the way. Yeah. So spoilers ahead. Cool. And the, the first little bit is just kind of what Ben talked about, the, the first few hours uh, the big spoiler is it's tough to control. It's tough to figure out what mm-hmm. you're doing because it's a complex game. Uh, and it doesn't do a great job in terms of tutorials. This is not a game that I'm going to like knock too hard because I really, really love it. But I think that one weakness is the tutorials are not great. Uh, and I was struck to the extent when I started to play KOTOR 2 how that it actually worked in some tutorials uh, that would have been really helpful for the first KOTOR. So you start out, you're on a ship, it's attacked, crash land on Taurus. You end up on Taurus for a bit. Start to put together your party, then get out of there. The, the Ecumenopolis, by the way, is a word I learned. The what? Today. The Ecumenopolis of oh. Taurus. Oh, that's a good word. Which is the like Greek that. hypothetical concept of a planet-wide city. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Awesome. That's nice. Thank you, Wikipedia. Nice. All right. So you get on the Ecumenopolis uh, yeah. of Taurus, <laughs> and uh, you, you start to get your party together. You start to learn uh, kind of where you're at. You're and you are uh, thousands of years before uh, the Star Wars movies take place. You are living within kind of the backlash of a civil war uh, and a new one starting up or a a war and a new civil war starting up led by two dark Jedi named Revan and Malak. And you, you find out that uh, Revan is dead and Malak is now leading the Sith to destroy the Republic. And that's, that's kind of how it's set up. You meet Bastilla, who's this badass Jedi. And she was the one who killed Revan and you get a um, millennium Falcon uh, I'm sorry. The Ebon Hawk. Uh, the Ebon Hawk. Uh, Come on. It, it's the same thing. Okay. Um, I love wow. the Ebon Hawk so much. Wow. Uh, you head off to Dantooine and you become a Jedi. And then your path can go a bunch of different directions. As you're exposed to a few planets, you can go to uh, Kashyyyk, Korriban, Manan, and Tatooine. And then you can go a little bit nonlinear for a bit, explore those areas. At some point, you get kidnapped by uh, one of your party, Karth, his old uh, captain. And that is where the story takes off. 
Usually after you, I think you've done three planets before then. All right. So who wants who wants to drop the hammer? What do you find out when you get kidnapped by Saul? Can I just say, yeah. I was shocked then. Yeah. I just remember being like flabbergasted to learn that I am, in fact, the uh, other evil dark Jedi. I'm not actually Han Khan was my name this time around. Um, I am uh, Revan. You are Revan. Bastila did not kill Revan. Malak tried to kill Revan, and Bastila took him back to the Jedi Council, brainwashed him or her, uh, as in my case. Mm-hmm. And now she uh, she doesn't remember being Revan, and you you are flooded with this, which kind of makes sense of the dark side light side thing of you start in this really neutral position of being brainwashed with very little memory, and you're slowly able to figure out where you want to go with that. And so that one bit of news is a great place for you to decide. Okay, I was going light side. But finding out that everything I know is a lie, this is a great opportunity for me to switch. So this is like 70% of the way through the game. It gives you this really nice opportunity to switch back. To continue on from there, you then, uh, I believe for most people, Korriban is the last place you go to of those initial planets. No? Rich, you jump to Korriban right away? Adore Korriban. And I go there first and I get my butt kicked, but I love it. Okay, yeah. No, I was going to say, the last place you go, because it's going to kick your butt. Uh, Korriban's fantastic. But uh, okay, so then you, uh, after defeating the four planets... Uh, putting together the uh, different elements of the star map, you can now get to the Star Forge. On your way there, you are uh, shot out of uh, space. You crash land on an unnamed planet where you find a bunch of people who are um, appear to be indigenous alien life forms, and they help you get into a magic pyramid to turn off a space shield that is keeping uh spaceships out of the space the ricotta people (sighs) yeah hey real quick can i just say at this point in the game when you're you have your whole crew right at this point you have joel well i guess it depends yeah i think at this point the star forge you have jolie yeah yep or you can but let's say if you have everyone like if you have your pick of everyone you're at the height of your powers online online your buddies what is what was your go-to two people to to accompany you when you're going around kicking butt my I always rolled with Bastila. Okay. And then I would usually it's Jahani, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd usually roll with Jahani. Yeah, go all Jedi. Yeah, always all Jedi. Kind of, which you just kinda for me, like it's part of the appeal of Kodor is that you are Jedi. And exactly. Have all these Jedi powers. And if you're on a planet with a bunch of droids, you gotta roll with the other guy. Uh Jolie. Jolie, because he has yeah. destroyed droids and you can yeah. just such a great power. Pwn. Yeah. So I always and that's the thing I, I maybe wish would they tweaked about the game is that I wish Candorous and HK47 were just like insanely more um like offensively powerful. Yeah. Or maybe defensively, but I guess offensive like if they just had like one gun that only they could have that was like three times more powerful than a, a lightsaber, something that was like ooh, maybe I won't just carry all Jedi's cuz at some point yeah, I would go around with Bastila and Jolie and I gave Jolie all the dark side powers basically. As soon as I got him, I powered him up. I was just like, take all of the lightning, take all of the insanity was my favorite one. Take all of the, uh, what was the, just uh, kill or dream yeah. life? Kill, I used the line. And and he would just dominate. Uh, and so if it'd be nice to have to be like, oh, maybe I should take HK because he can just yeah. destroy or Candorous or whatever. Because I felt like I never used Karth and never used Candorous. I never used Mission as soon as we uh, got off of Taurus. Uh, and so it would be nice to have a better reason to use them. Yeah. I switched it up. I always had one Jedi with me and one non Jedi. Wow. So how was that? I, I loved it. I, I had used HK a ton. <laughs> yeah. That, that magic weapon you're talking about that you were like, if only he had that. Yeah. It's the flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, it is I magic. I love the flamethrower. Because that can cut through so many Jedi energy shields and things like that. Oh, cool. Uh, where, okay. where they're just coming in, like carving people up and you cannot touch them. And it's like, hey, dodge this. I used HK a bunch on in the Star Forge where you can't use Bastila. Yeah. I used yeah. him there, and that, that's when I discovered the advanced flamethrower, and I found Love HK. And I used Mission a bunch. I actually used Mission all the way through the Star Forge. Oh, nice. Uh, wow. And I used her, used her to get off of the uh, Star Destroyer. I used her as the person oh, to speak out. She had the Leviathan, thanks. Because she had the stealth abilities and things like that. Um, yeah. But Mission was a tough one to use. I typically had her uh, lay back and gun people down with some sweet guns. Nice. Um, and that way I could switch out my, my dope guns. Nice. But yeah, that was the real reason for the non-Jedi was somebody who wanted to use blasters. Because yeah. you had so much ability to just switch those out, switch the ions for droids, switch to disruptors, you know. Yeah. And I, I got to say the like sheer number of different awesome weapons and armor 
um, I always lamented not playing as one of those other characters, like not rolling with Candorous, for example, because there are so many cool battle suits and yes. so many cool Sith sniper rifles and just all these awesome um, lasers and things that you pick up that that I never use. I think to the yeah. to the full extent that I should have. And a lot of the stuff you can't use if you have the big metal armor. Yeah, on your main character, you can't use a bunch of the powers. Yeah, yeah. I never used Candorous because I was a soldier class. And oh, so yeah, anything yeah. he could do, I could already do. Yeah, and so I ended up using uh, Kalonord's armor for a while until I'd really leveled up like as a Jedi. That's some great armor to use. And I actually had my Jedi shooting people or for a while, her with lightsabers and still having the Kalonord armor because the dexterity hit that you took didn't really matter. That's cool. Uh, based on her dexterity bonuses um, cool. for a while. Then, it, then I started switching to like Jedi Master Cloaks and stuff once I finally got yeah. that. Uh, so Jay, you're doing the story. Yep. Uh, you're on I'll the unknown th- planet. It's the source of the disruption field. You go into the temple of the ancients and this is where the stories diverge. Yes. And so let me, let me catch up a couple things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing I missed is you, you said Bastilla was not with you. The reason for that is she was uh, mm. kidnapped. Well, she, she kind of like threw herself at Revan to save you, to let you get away. Right. Not with, at Revan, at Malak. At Malak. I'm sorry. Now you get a couple cut scenes where she's being tortured by Malak. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's happening, but he's trying to turn her to the dark side. And at the top of this pyramid, when you're finally going to shut down the uh, shield, you have to fight Bastilla. And you've got to decide what you're going to do there. Uh, are you going to go with her? Or are you going to, you know, turn away? Uh, so that's a, f- a first kind of story thing. So if you defeat her, she runs runs off. Uh, and then you go to the Starforge for- Star itself. And you get, like, this kind of subtle warning of pick two people. And this is all you're going to get. You don't get to come back here and change. You set your party for the end game. And there's no other chance. So uh, I set my party. I go in. And then it's just, like, endless waves uh-huh. of... Jedi Knights, uh, Dark Jedi uh, fighters. And then at some point, uh, if you're light side, like me, Ben, you have to fight Bastila again and turn her to the light side. Uh, and I was able to turn her. Uh, she came back with me. And oh, nice. Then I go into my final fight and I have to fight um, Malak alone. And I'm condensing a lot because that's like eight hours of just fighting uh, Dark Jedi. Yeah. And fighting Malak. Richard, I don't know if I told you this yet, but get ready to be brokenhearted for me. Uh, so Malak is in there, and he's got a bunch of, like, Jedi that he's pulling power from that are in these weird... Is um, that what was happening? I didn't understand. I, I was waiting for them to jump out and fight me, and I did not understand why he was, like... <laughs> I didn't know if he was killing them or, like, turning them evil or what was going on, but I was, like, ready to target them. I started setting mines in front of them. Yeah. No, he's got them in, like, cryosleep, yeah. and he's just, like, pulling their energy from That's them. That's what... I didn't and understand like, that and, part of And there's, I think, like, eight of them or ten of them. And yeah. so, basically, every time you knock him down a bit, he goes, sucks some more energy from those guys gotcha. and comes back at you. Gotcha. And okay. it gives you a nice hint. And it says, hey, maybe you could use some Jedi powers to take these guys out. And I was like, yeah, maybe I can. And I walked over and I used every power I had. And it was like, not that one. Nope, not that one. And it turns out there's four or five you can use. And if you use, like, throw lightsaber, you can, like, take them out one by one and prevent him from being able to to last for as long as he does damn it i didn't do that so so i yeah okay so i pause i look it up and i'm like okay what powers do you need to have and i realize i have none of them i'm I'm going to have to fight so i have never save scummed like this before this was my worst save scumming ever yeah he's hard um at the end i was saving between attacks yeah every single attack well especially having played d played D &D, we know that every attack is a roll of a d20 yeah which is so cool to play D for a couple years and play this game because that's that's essentially what the game is yeah and i gotta say i feel like the game kind of sets you up to get your butt kicked by him because yeah play the whole game with two other characters yeah you don't like i never quite have the right combination of things to fight him Mm -hmm. i always rely really heavily on force lightning and kill and so I went around and killed all those Jedis just using the kill force power. But nice. then, like, I, I literally <laughs> just, like, force immunity, Jedi yep. speed, yep. and then I would just run laps and, like, do kill on him, take 18 points off of him, and then run another lap. Very right. difficult battle, Smart. I think. I- I was throwing thermal detonators at him. I had uh, I didn't throw any. 40... I totally forgot I had 18 of those. I, ne- I saved them for that fight. And just remember right now. I, I had, like, 40 advanced med packs. And I used every single one of them. Uh, uh, yeah. I had like 20 life support packs and I used every single one of them. Same. I was using med kits by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, whew, that was a tough final fight. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, the same experience. That sucked. I, I did not realize you, I, you told me the thing. You're like, sometime near the end of the game, there's a force power you can use to make the final fight easier. And I was like thinking yeah. empire where like, 
Vader's like throwing parts of most Eisley or not most Eisley parts of um of like Cloud City like at Luke. I was like, oh, I'll use that, and like that never appeared, so I didn't do anything. I totally lost. I had no idea. That sucked. <laughs> but that, it was man. cool. I thought it was a fight worthy of the final battle. Oh, we yeah. all figured out a way to beat it, which is what all you can ask for. I mean, I, yep. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So now let's let's dive back into some different places there, other yeah. aspects of the game, because we've given the, the whole overview. Ben, did you want to talk about your reaction to finding out that you were Revan? Because that's that's the big one again. Yeah. And I told you I was playing that part. and You're like, oh, really? You're on the Leviathan, huh? Yeah, well, uh, give me a call uh, when the thing happens. I was like, what thing? You're like, oh, you know, you might see some stuff. It's like, OK, I'll give you a call. <laughs> and we set up a Twitch stream. Yeah. And right. So I got to actually watch him play this. And listen to him react live. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. People can go watch me play that. <laughs> still on, I think I have two things on that channel right now. What was the first one that was there? Don't recall. Uh, oh, it was uh, what's what's eating Edith, Edith Finch. Right. What is it? <laughs> what is, you never find out. Uh, I, I twitched the first couple hours of that. And then I twitched this big reveal. One of the biggest twists in video game history. Uh, and yeah, I, I thought it was one of the most creative, unique unsuspecting twists in i want to say like literature history that's probably too much but at least in my experience with art uh i did not see it coming at all it probably helped that i was a woman uh yeah. and and also being a little sexist that i assumed revan was a man i don't know if yep. they referred to him with in the pronoun he yeah uh but i maybe i assume that he, they did um but yeah it'd be interesting to go back and replay that i'm excited to play a second time to like dive into all those parts to be like oh why did i assume that revan was a man and and to play it as a man, maybe, and see what's different about that game. I almost look back now thinking, like, how did I not see it coming? Right. Because it's such an empire-like twist of, like, oh, my gosh, the bad guy's my dad. Uh, like, I am the bad guy. And the, the whole yeah. huge plot hole at the beginning that the best plot holes are the ones that you don't suspect, right? And yeah. that's the plot hole of, like, I just woke up on this ship that's being attacked, and I have no memory at all. And I was like... Okay, I get roll my eyes. I, I guess that's that's how they get the character to buy into this character or the, yeah. the player to buy into this character because I'm now bringing who I am as a human, as, a, as men, into this character that suddenly forgot everything about themselves. I was like, oh, that's kind of clever, I guess. Whatever, let's move on. Don't think too much about it, which is the perfect thing when you want to make everything about this person's past evil and have that yep. huge twist. I thought that was handled perfectly. Uh, and it Dude. really makes you want to be dark side for a second, at least yeah. contemplate, maybe not one, yeah. but like contemplate like, oh, wait, is being a Jedi being true to who I am as a character? Like I'm I'm I've essentially been lied to for the past 20 hours by Yoda's grandpa and all these people <laughs> Bastila, my best friend, my mentor, and who's literally been lying to my face this whole time. If back then I didn't have amnesia and I knew I wanted to be a Sith Lord, like then, and now I do have amnesia. I want to be good. Like which one is more honest? Obviously the Sith one is. So it was just fascinating kind of psychological exercise. Watching you play the first like four hours when I knew that twist, because yes. I had already gotten there. It was so tough for me not to give it away. And I accidentally did like once or twice with little things. Like I referred to Revan as she, uh, no idea. And I like, but like cut off midway. Like, Oh yeah, she did, uh, some, she was, uh, <laughs> Revan was Malik's uh, teacher, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't really remember. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Like, but luckily, I, you didn't catch it. You didn't notice. I'm, well, there's I'm so, so much world building the first couple hours so too. Much. I was like, I don't know the difference between Malik and Revan. They're they're all in the same visions, getting the star maps. I'm like, okay, one is Malik and one's Revan, and they don't like each other now, but they used to get along. I don't. One of them died. Like, I know, I know, it's not really concrete, and until that reveal, really, I was like, oh, I know that guy's Malik, and he's yeah. saying I'm Revan. Got it. Okay, we're there now. I, I gotta say, I do love in the reveal because I'm like light side and at that point I'm 20 plus hours into the game and so anytime I view my character in the save screens or whatever, like there's like a column of blue light right. shooting by me. It was funny in the reveal to then see because the game changes your appearance if you go very evil, you suddenly have this evil appearing face. Right. So it was funny to see my character who looks just like FN 2187. Nice. I've always played with the same character. He always looks like That's Finn. Awesome. So it was just funny to see him portrayed as this evil yeah. version of myself. Oh, when he like takes his mask off. Yeah. Whoa, nice. I have like this weird like scar across my face that, nice. you know, my character doesn't have because I've been playing as good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Very good reveal, I think. What about you, Jay? Uh, my reaction yeah for some to, to Revan oh I was just giving a big like what no what no 
oh damn that's so good like i was so excited for it nice so you didn't you didn't predict it at all you didn't see it coming no did not see it coming was blown away i was thinking back to just the experience of playing this game we talked a little bit about the the difficulty going in but one way it jumped out to me was remembering the uh the sewer fight so ben do you remember the agony of the sewer fight on taurus before i started helping you and like when i first started helping you there all all the gomorian guard right yeah, the Gamorian Guard, the Razgul's, yeah, all that yeah, stuff yeah. in the suit. Yeah, the Razgul's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was yeah. so difficult. I, and basically, like, I didn't understand why pausing the game helped. I didn't understand, like, why you would switch between people. I, I didn't understand that it was D&D for a while. So, like, oh, each of my people should take different people. And I was like, no, no. What you need to do is everyone attack the weakest person because then they'll lose a full turn as soon as that person's gone. Yeah. At that point, that's when it finally clicked for me in the sewers. Oh, okay. And it started, like actually getting it and it was really i was starting to hum nice and i was just like oh man this this just feels so grindy like i'm just yeah. I, i'm not gonna be able to handle this 35 hours there's day. like six different sewer levels in terrace it does last oh i can't handle this and it's so funny looking back at like the length of time that the sewer and then going into the hideout after the sewer it's all one long dungeon yeah looking at the length of time that that took it's hilarious that i thought that that was long and grindy compared to the rest of the game because so many more so much more advanced than that and yet i learned to love that grind so totally much. yes me too it's so freaking fun yeah and that's really what stands out to me about the game the most is not the story which is phenomenal not the twist, which is, we all talked about how much yeah. it just blows us away, but the fact that the actual gameplay itself, yeah, regardless of it being complex and a little bit inaccessible when you first start out, it is so much freaking fun. Yeah. Every time I replay this game, I just hate Terrace because I know what's coming. I know that once I get force powers, like this whole world of gameplay yeah. opens up. Yeah. And so Terrace for me is like burn through so that I can get to being a Jedi because once you have force powers and you can like force wave a whole group of enemies and yes. stun them, or you can force lightning a whole group of enemies and like if they're weak, wipe them all out yeah. in one single move. Or building your lightsaber and suddenly you have this glowing sword that makes all this noise like it's just the gameplay the the combat gameplay is so satisfying i think the further in you get yeah for me it was uh stasis ben you talked about insanity but for me stasis was my jam yeah. just pausing whole groups of people that's what insanity does that too yeah oh so good it's so sad. Mm-hmm. favorite force powers Mm, I, stasis was my most used, but destroy droid felt so good when it, when it worked. When you're just like, you've got something bad, then all of a sudden it just goes away. Like, yeah. Oh, that, that feels really nice. I, yeah. I think insanity I used the most, but towards the end I started using drain life because it would save me from having to use med packs. Yep. Uh, and even though it didn't take three turns from the other person, so it was kind of give and take. But like when I knew that they were almost dead and I just didn't want to have to use a med pack because I wanted to finish them off, I'd use drain life and that sucks their life and gives my entire team life. Uh, I really like that. Yep. Uh, Force Valor, uh, another great one that I would use uh, kind of whenever I realized I was in for a big battle, just right before it, then go in as you learned how you yeah. had to like get suited up for stuff. Yeah. yeah. What about you? How about you? Uh, I mean, I'm always a, either Force Lightning or, or Kill. I think in part because they like those are straight out of the movies. And yeah. so I, I like feel like this is me being a, a Jedi. Totally. Um, I also I'm kind of a sucker for like the visual of the force powers. Um, yeah. So like the huge, you know, hand up and this lightning yeah. storm flies out or I just that's very satisfying. Man, it is, I'm excited to play KOTOR 2. I'm I'm a little hesitant. I know you both have talked highly of KOTOR 2, so I'm not hesitant of that game. But I guess maybe saddened is better than hesitant or more accurate because it, the, the game, Jay, you just said it, it excels in the story. It excels in that crazy twist and it excels just in that grinding gameplay, which again is so weird that I looked forward to all of those things. I wasn't like, okay, I'll do this so I can get to the next plot point or like, Oh my gosh, this cutscene's taking forever. I don't think I ever thought that. Yep. And all of those things were enjoyable and all of them are such a careful balance that I'm sure other people don't, don't agree with me, right? That's not like right. they did all of this perfectly, but for us three at least, and I think most people that played this game really enjoyed all three of those parts, that it's it's tough to see them doing this again. And again, like you said, KOTOR 2 is pretty great already, so I'm excited to play that, but I just wish there were more of these games because, yeah. I mean, I guess there are. There's Baldur's Gate, there's other Bioware games, I guess, and those Baldur's Gate 2 is 200 hours, so there are, I mean, I could invest my life into these games if I really wanted to, but the fact that it's so fun and it's based on this thing, this IP that the three of us love and have loved our entire lives. 
just makes this game a top. I I think I texted you both. It's top five game to me all time already. I, I got to say, not to jump too much into the next game, but Coder yeah. 2, it's like take the best of Coder and then just make a new game out of it. It's, oh, it's, nice. it's awesome. And you haven't played the Sith Remaster yet. Oh, that's right. Maybe I'll be evil for Coder 2. Nice. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I think the thing, you know, the reason this is in number one for me with, with Halo is because, you know, I love the Star Wars universe and I don't think there's another game that I've played and I've played pretty much all the Star Wars games that, that they've got. So I think for me, this, this game, like you build a Jedi and you play as a Jedi and, but you still, it's kind of has this open world feel. Mm. I, I haven't played another Star Wars game like that. And I haven't played a, a lot of other game games like that. Yeah. And the fact that you can buy it like on the Xbox store for eight bucks or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Nick gave it to me like three years ago, two or three years ago. He's like, I'm getting rid of all these Xbox games. He's going to take them by GameStop or whatever and get like two bucks each from him. I was like, oh, KOTOR. I've never played that. Is it cool if I have that? He's like, yeah, take it. Nice. Like dusted it it's off. It's only the best game ago. ever. Right. Right. And he ended up actually buying it on through the Xbox store last week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks, man. <laughs> the student has become the master. Exactly. That's right. Um, so we've done powers, favorite planets. I adore yeah. Corbin. I also like Dantooine. I just, mm-hmm. I loved Corbin. I love the idea of like this dark evil palace of the Sith. The Valley of the Dark Lords was a cool spot. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's so cool because you've been to Dantooine and you've seen the like Jedi compound yeah. with the Tree of Life. And, yeah. um, and so it's cool to be in this other environment where there are like evil things spring out of the ground. I will say that is, I didn't realize until right now, I think because I was so invested in it. That is the most like Indiana Jones like ripoff that a Star Wars yes. thing has ever <laughs> yes. done, right? All four of those tombs in all the best ways. in all the best ways. Oh, it's, I don't. That's not d- demeaning at all. The fact that you can play as Indiana Jones for a couple hours in the Star Wars game is amazing, dude. I thought it was so cool. And figuring out those little puzzles and like which crystal to put in, or you have to put in like a a plasma grenade into one thing at one point to like get past the pl- like. I thought it was so cool. I almost wish that it was more like let's have a planet that's all adventure puzzle games for five hours or something. Like it, I love that part for sure. I, I think I would say. Dantooine, as much as it was so early in the game, and when we first started fighting all those like crazy beasts on the way to get Johanny and stuff, like, and we, because Jason was guiding me through that, I was so overwhelmed. And then I went back there at one point, I think, to do that, um, the that mission from the guy that you meet on Manan. And I went back and just like blazed through all those beasts, like, <laughs> didn't even pause the game, just kind of like ran forward. I was like, all right, let's go. Come on, here we go. Uh, and just, yeah, I just loved the, the look of Dantooine and all of the, the Jedi Academy and building your lightsaber for the first time. Uh, and I thought the grasslands were gorgeous. But yeah, yeah, Jay, what about you? I think it's Korriban. Uh, like, I, I want to pick up a different one. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed Manon, but the amount of underwater walking uh, yeah. means that you, oh, you kind of can't choose Manon. Yeah. I had such a blast on Tatooine. Like, I loved so many of them. And Kashyyyk, too. Like, all of them were great. But Korriban stands out to me as being my favorite planet. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Any more questions? Favorite this or that? What What did you do with the Gizka? Oh yeah, what did you do with the Gizka? I get them. Well, uh, to, I, I got somebody to to take them. I think Same. I paid him a hundred yeah. credits on Manon, the first guy you see. I just kept him. I couldn't bother killing them. I I wouldn't let that happen. Yeah. Um, I talked to the guy on Manon. He was like, I don't want him. I was like, All right, that's cool. I respect that. And then they left on the unnamed planet. Uh, oh, nice. and that was fine. And they're just all around the unnamed planet, just like wandering around, having a happy time. It's like, oh, I finally brought him home. We'll be okay. Aww. Little did you know that they brought some sort of horrible, like biological disease and wiped out all of the Rakata people, the indigenous yeah. tribe. No, yeah. that was my plan. Yeah. I got, uh, it was worth the dark side points for that. You know, destroy it. Nice, nice. What uh, lightsaber color? Purple for my main oh, okay. character because it's just so cool again. Yeah. And then regular lightsaber, short lightsaber, and just endless twirling of lightsabers yeah. as I run around. Nice. Yep. Jay. Yep. Purple. Nice. Purple. I started with purple too, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do classic, classic Luke green. Empire Luke. Nice. Uh, and did I you did switch to greens. red? I did, and then I exactly when I when yeah, I yeah you did when I killed Zalbar nice. in mission. I was like, Dude. I, I don't I don't deserve these green lightsabers, red you lightsabers. Killed, oh, you, it got real dark, guys. You're a it got it real does dark. Get dark. <laughs> well, because Bast was like, "You want to join me?" And I was like, "Yeah, I probably should." And then you have to kill <laughs> Jolie and Johanny. And then you go back, and they're like, "Where Jolie and Johanny?" And I was like. <laughs> How oh do I, God. if I lie, does that mean I'm getting light side points? Like, I don't understand how to get out of this. They'll be, they'll be back later. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. 
It's what an amazing game. Wow. Like the fact that after 30 hours of gameplay, you make this choice and then you have to like kill off four characters, two of whom you've probably played a lot with, yeah. right? Yeah. Do, do you at least get to kill Karth? Well, dude, when when I was like, who's with me? And T3's like, I'm just a robot. I'm whatever. I'll follow whoever. And HK's like, finally, master. Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> and and Mission's like, no, like I'm a nice little lady. Like, and you were my good little friend and I'm innocent. And let's be friends. And Zalbar's like, I have a life debt to you. I'll go wherever you go. And she's like, oh. no, Zalbar, you're my buddy. Oh, Within, no. You saved my life. And he's like, oh, I'm no. sorry. And then, and then you have the choice of saying, I'll kill you both or Zalbar, kill Mission. Wow. Dude, no. So I no, told no, no. Zalbar to kill Mission. And he said, no. that's the one thing I won't do when he fought back. I was so proud of him. Thank God. So proud of uh, him. I'm so worried. Now, uh. Karth, did you at least get to kill Karth? No, he runs away. That's stupid. Does he really? Yeah, he ran away and doesn't That's come back. That's the only back, reason so... to go dark would be to kill Karth. Yeah, I'm guessing he he's in KOTOR 2 or something because he just he peaced out. Wow. Well, if I see him in KOTOR 2, I'll go dark just to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> he was, though, because right before I went to the Unknown Planet, I took off everyone's clothes and put them back in my inventory so I could like give the best <laughs> clothes to who went with me. So he ran into the Unknown Planet completely, or I guess in his underwear. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Wow. Was good. That's fantastic. All right, what's the beer? What's the song? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy 12? All right, starting with the beers or the drinks. People have, have done uh, virgin daiquiris mm. before. Mixed drinks, cocktails, if you wish. But we'll start with, with beers. Jay, what's your beer? My beer is Slow Woodfolk from Collective Brewing Project. Is that like an Ent? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. Uh, Woodfolk is their uh, golden sour ale uh, on American Oak uh, Fooder. Um, and it's one of my favorite beers. It's really, really nice, really oaky. Uh, the sourness is – it's definitely there, but it's not overpowering. Just a really great beer. And so they just did a version of it with smoked salt, lime, and orange. And then you add the wood, wow. and that spells slow. So Slow Woodfolk. And it's – it's really, really tasty. Wow. But I wanted to say it's it's complex. It's a difficult beer. It's not if somebody is just like, uh, hey, I I would like to check out a different beer. I usually drink Budweiser. Do you have any recommendations? This would not be mine. Right. But once you get used to it, I think for even for kind of seasoned sour drinkers, you're like, what's going on here? There's there's something else, and it's not it's not going to hit me with like the over the top sour that's going to make me like tell my friends how great this is. But the complexity and stuff, they they turn into the very things that you enjoy about it, which was my experience with KOTOR, that like all that complexity and difficulty was actually the fun. Yeah. It wasn't just like, I'm proud of myself for learning them. It was like, those are the very things that I come back to and really love about it. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's a local place. So you can, I don't think you can get slow wood folk in bottles, but you can get wood folk in bottles. That's the third or fourth collective brewing beer you've chosen from all. So I would assume that's a place local to you. (laughs) Sorry, man. No, you're good. As long as it's a different beer every time. I've probably done Woodfolk before. I don't know. But no, I don't think you have. I think you're good. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's oh, it's good. Yeah, sweet. Rich, what's yours? Uh, I was just thinking about the song. I would have to say that the, the drink, you know, I'm not a big beer drinker. So for me, probably it's got to be a, a hard alcohol. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this. It's probably Bombay Sapphire for me Ooh, because I've tried. Right. I went on a quest to try all the different gins because I, I really like gin and tonic. And I've, I always keep coming back to Bombay Sapphire. I also, I don't always, you know, I love a gin and tonic, but it's, they're not always super popular and people have a lot of opinions about gin and it's kind of a hard thing to love at first, sure. which is a lot like this game. Oh, nice. Kind of need a little bit of coaching, right? I think nice. especially with Kodor, you have to have somebody to kind of guide you and be like, yeah. no, no, don't. You know, don't drink beef eater. Try something a little nicer. Right, right. Um, so I would have to say Bombay Sapphire. Yeah, sweet. So I went with a, a beer that I was gifted from Jorge, our dear friend Jorge Castellanos uh, of Cinesol on the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, and it is Deschutes Flanders Black Ale. He bought two bottles, uh, I want to say two years ago. And we opened up one then. And we're going to open up one in a few weeks when he visits. Uh, but it's an export stout aged in bourbon barrels with mixed cultures. It's a weird beer, right? It's, nice. it's definitely similar to Jason's in the sense that, like, it's one that you have to, that, like, it wouldn't be the first one. It's like, I like Budweiser, right? What would you try next? Like, it's one you have to kind of, like, work up to to really appreciate. I feel like every time I have it, I can't fully, yeah. like, understand everything that's going on in it. Uh, it's dark, but it's light. Like, it's stout, but it has these, like, sweet, fruity flavors. 
Uh, so it's like dark in color, light in taste. It, ha- it has the sweet like tartness of a Flanders ale, but it's also dark and roasty, which is this weird contrast. And it reminded me a lot of the, the dualistic nature of this game, the dark and the light side. And it's one of the greatest beers I've ever had. Uh, wow. Just like this game. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the song. Rich, what do you got for the song? So I, I was just contemplating this. I got to say, there's a Death Cab song called uh, I Will Possess Your Heart, which is great. Yes. Um, 08, so kind of that same period of time. Yeah. It's a great song. I'm always shocked by how long it is. Right. Like That's right. <laughs> I forgot about it because it was like a radio hit, but it's isn't it like six or seven minutes long? Eight longer? minutes long. Eight long. Minutes long. Wow. Um, so, and Jeez. this game is that for me. It's a long Dude. game. It's a long song, but both great. You gotta spend some time, love. I love it because that was after Plans, too, which I guess you could equate Plans to being, like, not episode one, but I would say, like, the original trilogy being like, oh, yeah, this is the thing that everyone likes. Everyone likes Star Wars. And they're like, yeah, here's 60 hours of gameplay, suckers. <laughs> like, here, you, oh, you like singles? Here's an eight-minute single. Right. Hope you yeah. like the rest of the album. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, Jay, what do you got for a song? So I chose also a, uh, a kind of bigger, longer one. I chose Fists of Fury by Kamasi Washington. Kamasi Washington is a uh, jazz conductor, and he had an album like a few years ago called Epic that was three discs and just like over-the-top amazing jazz. And he just had another one called out come out called Heaven and Earth. It's another three-disc album, just like over-the-top amazing. And the first song on the first disc is called Fists of Fury. And he usually doesn't use a ton of vocals, but this song has a ton of vocals on it. And it's really, really good. The reason I chose it is uh, the lyrics uh, really lined up nicely with KOTOR. So I use my hands to help my fellow man. I use my hands to do just what I can. But when I'm faced with unjust injury, then I change my hands to fists of fury. Nice. Our times, our time as victims is over. We no longer ask for justice. Instead, we will take our retribution. Nice. Um, it's a pretty badass song. But yeah, that, that one needs no explanation. It, it lines up pretty straight up with kind of however you played uh, KOTOR. Uh, I'm sure you could sing along to that. Nice. Nice. Uh, and I went with, again, one of my favorite things of all time, uh, which is The General by Dispatch, uh, which is a song that about a general <laughs> talking to uh, his troops right before a battle they're going into that day and how he had this dream the night before about the enemy and getting to kind of know the enemy and, and not thinking that the battle is worth fighting. Uh, but he's going to head into the battle anyway because it's his duty, which reminded me of this game of like doing something that even though you don't want to do, you're still falling through when I was playing as the dark side, at least. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's telling his soldiers to go home and not follow him into battle. And so it has allusions to the dark side, the light side, war versus pacifism, duty and honor, integrity. And it ends with this line that's repeated eight times. And on the live version, it's like 24 times. Uh, but go now you are forgiven, which is a mm. huge theme in the act of KOTOR to me, at least of, you, when you find out that you're Revan and how all of your crew, all nine of them are still in, willing to support you as whatever character you've been playing as since you've lost your memory, since you've been, since you're stopped being Revan, I guess. Uh, and they're willing to kind of be there with you and, and be loyal to you as you navigate through the light side now, kind of defeating evil and kind of repairing your past and making amends to who you were uh, and how you have that kind of second chance which I thought was pretty cool so Go Now You Are Forgiven again one of my favorite songs of all time so. alright I think that's all we have uh, with Richard uh, dude, it was a pleasure talking with you. Talk for, for a full hour. It was so fun talking about this game with you. Thank you again for evangelizing this game to me. Yeah, yeah I'm excited you guys have played it. I yeah. feel vindicated a little yes. bit in my love for this game because nice. I have. Been- oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's just cool. Yeah, yeah. And right now we should tell you we're planning on playing Kotor two. It's already in the calendar. Uh, we have we always take January off, or I guess we take December off, but we don't have a January episode every every year. Uh, and so w- this month we have, or this year we have 
two months to play KOTOR 2. We're going to dedicate all of December and January to that. So the February episode, the first episode of season four of month will be KOTOR 2. So we would love for you to join us in that if you wish. I would love to join. And I got to say, I think it's a good idea because the gameplay will be fresh in our minds. Yeah. yeah. Which KOTOR 2 is just like the controls are an extension. Cool. Yeah. And... I think that's a good idea. (laughs) And one thing I wanted to say, I I mentioned already the uh, Sith remastered. So for those of you who don't know about that, KOTOR 2 was released on a little bit of a a quick push at the end, and they had to scrap a bunch of the game. And fans figured this out because they actually left some of the cutscenes on the disc. They hadn't even pulled them off the disc. Fans went back, they found those cutscenes, and they rebuilt the game. To actually bring in those cutscenes, bring in new story elements. I'm not sure if they designed new levels for it or quests, but it's evidently a pretty extensive remaster uh, that is what the game was intended to ship as and never got a chance to. And so I've I've never seen this with a mod before, but if you're in Steam and you download KOTOR 2 and you install it and you start playing it, a little warning will come up that will say, hey, are you sure you didn't mean to play the Sith remastered version? Because if you do, here's how you get that. Nice. So it's it's such a well-known remaster that they actually encourage you through Steam to play it. Uh, awesome. And I haven't heard any negative reviews of people play, saying, you know, oh, don't play that version. Play the original. That's that's where to go. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. it really seems to line up with what they wanted to release. Sweet. I wonder why they didn't release just a patch for that. They left it all on the disc. But I guess we'll find out when we dive into the development in February. There you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks again, Ranch Man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome uh, for, for Rich to join us. I'll, I'll share his his contact information if anyone has any nerdy questions for him. The the expert of KOTOR, we should refer to him as from now on. Uh, but yeah, excited to have him come on and play The Last Crusade with him at some point. Obviously, we'll play KOTOR 2 uh, coming out in February. But yeah, let's get into what else we playing. Jay, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't been playing anything else this month. Well, <laughs> no, I've been, been playing, playing a lot of KOTOR. Have you been playing anything else? Well, I started playing KOTOR 2, uh, and oh, I realized that's, that's a bad idea. Yeah, I'll get confused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I need a break. I, I, I shouldn't do that just yet. So, um, yeah, I played some No Man's Sky. I got with the new download and, nice. and started doing that. It was, it was pretty fun. I, um, played, uh, I've been playing some Hollow Knight, which seems like a great game. I've uh, been playing some uh, Bayonetta, because I finally got into that and wanted to check out Bayonetta, Bayonetta 2, before uh, the third one comes out. Nice. But none of those are the games I want to talk about. Because the game that I love and that I think anybody who likes KOTOR should play is Into the Breach. And they may not seem like similar games at all. Into the Breach is tactics-driven mech combat mm-hmm. um, with uh, time travel elements. Right. If you saw that Tom Cruise movie, um, Live, Die, Repeat, or whatever the real name of it was, it's that's kind of an actual um, narrative element in the game. So that every time you die, you actually do reload uh, with one of the people traveling back in time to play it again and actually like beat back the aliens this time. And the high score you're playing for as you kill off the aliens is how many, how much of Earth can you save? So like you start from a place that Earth did get saved and you're coming back from a future where you were able to kill off the aliens. Hmm. But now we want to go back and we want to save more people and get to a timeline where that happens. And so you're, you're going back and just kind of constantly trying to get better and better at this game yeah. to save more people. Oh, and cool. it doesn't ever just feel like a high score. You also get these things where you can have one person going through uh, multiple time periods. So in other words, this person went back in time, saved the world, and then went back in time from that point and saved the world again better, and then went back in time from that point and saved the world again. And yet there's permanent death. So if that person ever dies along the way, they're gone forever. They can't go back in time. Like, you can go back to a beginning before they ever saved the world. Wow. I mean, it's it's kind of cool, the story elements, the way those work out. But the reason it'll work for KOTOR people is the uh, the enjoyment of those battle mechanics, of figuring out, okay, who goes here, who goes there, what do you want to do? Yeah. It yeah, yeah, yeah. is laid out a little bit more like a chessboard, but the moves are really clear. Uh, you know, one of the guns will actually shoot someone, and they'll get knocked back into whatever's behind them. So if you can stack things up, so you've got three monsters in a row, you shoot the first one, right. and crashes into the second one, and boom, it matches up, it's great. But if you forget things, you shoot a monster who's standing in front of uh, a giant skyscraper, he'll fall back into the skyscraper and destroy it. Nice. And those things, it's it's just a, probably the most fulfilling kind of fight mechanics that I've ever seen in yeah. a game. Yeah, um, that's cool. Really, really an absolute blast. And uh, pretty cheap, worth, worth getting on GOG or Steam or wherever, and available for all kinds of systems. Nice, dude. That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure because our next game 
that we're about to talk about is only like four to six hours. I'm sure I'll be playing more games, so I'll have something more exciting than nothing uh, when we talk about next month's what else we play. But yeah, Jay, you discovered this next game that we're going to play uh, this next month, our October game, our Halloween game, uh, which is the Looky Looky Book nope, Group. Not not even close. The, the Library Town. Doki Doki Literature Club. That's the one. Tell us about it. And uh, so this is just a, a fun, sweet game with nothing terrifying at all. That cool. for some reason, when you download it, uh, will say, hey, um, a billion trigger warnings. This game is terrifying. But you know what? Um, it seems to be like a pretty fun game, like just a bunch of chill high schoolers hanging out, talking about their lives, talking about what books they like. So I'm sure there's no Cthulhu monsters or anything evil along the way. But Ben, one thing I was thinking was fun. It's a shorter game. Do you want to just twitch this one together? So one of us plays it and the other one watches? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. I think I think it'd be a blast. I think it's something we can shoot for, and uh, we'll uh, we'll make that stream available. Announce it when we're going to do it, so you can watch live. Yeah, we'll we'll try to announce it a few days before, at least for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, good call. I like that. Yeah, that should that should be fun. And also, uh, it is free. So go on Steam, go download it for free, uh, and have a blast. Sweet. Uh, I think that's all we have for you this week. Thanks again for joining us. That was a super fun game. We're excited to do, to play Kotor two in a few months. Uh, but yeah, for now, if you have any additional comments, questions, feel free to find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at mompod, M-O-L-M-F-Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find our website at menoflowmoralfiber.com where you can find all of our contact info. Uh, and yeah, feel free to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F uh, if you want to support us further. Uh, and if you just want to support us a little less, feel free to go and rate and review us on iTunes. That would help us out. Or even better yet, somewhere in between those two things, tell a friend. A friend who likes video games. Tell a friend. Tell them Mumph. Just go up to it and just say Mumph. Mumph.com. They'll, they'll figure it out from there. Boom. But anyway, have a great month. We'll see you in a few weeks. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to play that horrifying, horrifying trigger warning game that Jason discovered. Yeah, fun. We'll see how it goes. Just, just like lots of light fun. Just uh, high schoolers <laughs> talking about uh, books. Cool. Uh, until then, uh, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And damn it, Master, I'm an assassin droid, not a dictionary. Dictionary.